It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. A good Thursday morning, everybody, and welcome to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. I'm Eric Kane. Along with me today is Rob Lewis. Uh, Matt Ray, Brent Hub is going to join us here in just a second for a little bit to set the scene from Cincinnati. Of course, it's the uh, NCAA hearing with the University of Tennessee, former head coach Jeremy Pruitt's. Don DePlowman, Philip Former, you know, you name it, the who's who's up there in Cincinnati uh, this week. So going to get a little bit out of the way first, but uh, remember, Exterior Home Solutions, the proud sponsor of this podcast for a free estimate. Go ahead and give them a call today, 865-524-5888. Really appreciate it. Exterior Home Solutions, check them out online as well, exteriorhomesolutions.com. Before we get into Cincinnati and before we get into the mailbag, Rob Lewis, big day for Tennessee basketball Big news, Santiago Vescovi is coming back. He announced that earlier this week, rather, I should say, and uh, picked up the first commit via the transfer portal. Yeah, uh, some news finally. I mean, you know, that the Ves- Vescovi do, the, the Vescovi decision along with Josiah and I think to a lesser degree, Julian Phillips, it's, it's been lingering since, the, you know, bef- even before the season ended. You know, people wanting to know, you know, what would they do would they, since they had the opportunity. And I think Santiago had was, – was the – the one guy, the three, I, you know, I, I don't think it's any secret that a lot of people have been saying was leaning towards coming back. And, um, you know, Tennessee made, you know, was able to make that happen. I, I think NIL, you know, not be naive was certainly a part of it. Um, and, and, you know, Spire helped step up and, you know, make, make that a reality. As for Jordan Ganey, I mean, I, I think a, after the Tyreek key season, I think everybody's going to take a wait and see approach on getting a, a sweet shooting, you know, mid-major guard. But man, if, if you just look at the stats from, from Ganey, I mean, as a freshman, I mean, the kid, I mean, legit made half his shots from, for three point range. I mean, 74 out of 150. I mean, that's, that's an outlier stat. I mean, you, you don't see that very often. So I, at the very least, I mean, I, I think you, you have to just take it at face value that the kid can, can stroke the basketball. This is a team they, they were, I think the number, I looked it up yesterday. I think they were 247th in the country in three-point shooting last year. So, you know, it, it kind of goes without saying that the adding some shooting was a priority. And now, obviously, you know, Jordan's got to get bigger. He, he's got to get stronger. At 6'4", he's 175 pounds. So, you know, he's, he's that's going to be a challenge for him in the SEC. And he knows that. He's kind of you know, told me that himself, uh, that he's got to use it for the summer. But, you know, bottom line, Big day for Tennessee basketball with with the Vescovy news. I mean, that's an All SEC caliber player that you get back. You know, a super veteran, and it's you know really hard to overstate just what that means, especially when you don't know what you're going to get from Zakai early in the year. Hey Rob, uh, what what do the numbers look like right now? Know that uh, obviously you know, Julian Phillips NBA decision and all that, but kind of where are the numbers with Vescovy coming back, getting one guy out of the portal. Yeah, that's, that's a great question because Grant Ramey and I are obviously terrible at math because we set we we were texting back and forth with each other yesterday and came up with the came up with the wrong answer. Uh, so it's <laughs> it's assuming you know if you're I'm counting Eurosh is gone right now and if we just if we keep Josiah and, and Julian Phillips on the roster as of now I don't think that's going to be happening but you know, what a setting thing so leave them on there as of today with the Gady edition with Vescovy 14. So I would say. I would I would think Josiah and Julian will will move on. That that, that could change, especially with Josiah. You know, I, I think both of those guys are leaving. So I think you're realistically going to be at twelve, and you know you can add one more without having to you know juggle anything. 
Big news for Tennessee basketball earlier this week and uh, incidentally hearing going on between the university, former coaches, uh, administration, all that going on at Cincinnati as the week goes on. Brent Hubbs joining us from the hallway in some hotel in Cincinnati. Have you gone mad yet, Brent? No, not yet. Uh, I am at the Westin uh, Hotel in downtown Cincinnati, beautiful Cincinnati. It's a great weather day that I've not seen anything outside. But, uh, you know, this is an it's an educational experience for me. I've never attended one of these and I've never been a part to kind of see what all goes on and how this works. Um, it, it's not a it's not a trial. It's not a jury. There's not a judge. You know, it's, it's basically um, tables set up in a square and everybody who's involved is sitting around that square and they're talking about it. The in committee on infractions, there's a seven member panel uh, who are here to hear this case. Um, the enforcement committee um, presents their case in the basically opening arguments, if you want to keep it in legal terms. And after those are uh verbally handed out or given out, which is basically the letter of infractions Tennessee got back in July. Then the, then the, the, the discussion starts and the question questioning starts. And so um, it's supposed to last three days. We'll see if it actually goes that long, but all the key parties are here. The biggest note uh, in terms of everybody that's here is the fact that the SEC commissioner is here. And I, and I think it's noteworthy that Greg Sankey is here. He's here uh, on behalf and as a part of the Tennessee contingent. He has had lunch with them. He's been in their meeting rooms, their own private meeting room, and he's obviously set in on all of the, the hearing part as well. So um, that, to me, that's noteworthy because I think he's the most powerful man in sports. Um, he's the only guy in the room, in my opinion, Eric, who can pick up the phone and call the new president of the NCAA and, and the president's going to answer the phone. I don't yeah. know that the committee members are going to get him on the phone, but but Greg Sankey can, can get him on the phone. And it's pretty clear Greg Sankey's backing the University of Tennessee. Um, not that they shouldn't be penalized, but to ensure that um, there, there's not any kind of harsh penalties towards Tennessee in, in any way at this point. So you've already kind of laid out what's been going on in day one. Um, and this will you know evolve as the week goes on. But what, to your knowledge, should we expect from day two and potentially day three the rest of this week? Well, I mean, you know, much of the, the, the level one allegations have already been resolved because Brian Niedermeyer took a deal. Um, the, the other three, including Sheldon Felden, took a deal. So they've got to work through the violet, level one violation against Derek Hansley. Derek Hansley's not here. Um, he can do via Zoom should he choose. There's no subpoena power. They can't make him come here. So we'll see if Derek Ansley participates in any way, shape, or form. We won't know that, but we'll try to see if we can hear rumblings of that. And then the two biggest contentions at this point are is the, the failure to promote um, compliance by Jeremy Pruitt, the charge at the level one against him, but then obviously the failure to monitor charge against Tennessee. And those are the two biggest pieces of the puzzle. Um, Philip Fulmer's here going to be asked a bunch of questions for, for both of those charges because he was the AD in charge at that point. And Jeremy Pruitt works for him and both the, the university and Jeremy Pruitt have charges against him. So he's he's important. Dondi Plowman uh, obviously will be asked a lot of questions. Danny White's more of a spectator at this point. He was not here for any of those things. So um, once you get through the reading of the charges uh, and you start asking the questions, I think we're going to they're going to spend a lot of time uh, on questions for Jeremy Pruitt and, and obviously some questions for Tennessee on the failure to monitor charge because that's Tennessee's hang up in this. The rest of it, Tennessee, I think, is pretty OK with everything. But that's the one charge that Tennessee has contested from the moment they got that.
Brent, we appreciate it. You got plenty of stuff over VolQuest.com and on the General's Quarters. Anything else uh, here from day one as we get ready for day two of this hearing for Tennessee and the NCAA? Well, I, I think a couple of things. One, that just a reminder that there is no timetable in, in terms of, I mean, this thing could end Thursday. It could go to all day Friday. Um, you know, it can, you know, they could wrap it up sooner rather than later. You never know. Uh, and the other thing, too, is we're not going to learn a lot coming out of this because there's gag orders against everybody. So I don't know that you're going to get any kind of formal statement from anybody anywhere. And you're probably looking at June at the earliest before you get any kind of uh, ruling um, by the committee uh, on infractions here coming out of the hearing. And at that point, Tennessee could appeal if they felt the need to appeal something. Or, or maybe, uh, and what Tennessee hopes is that this case is, is finally put to bed and, and everybody's moving forward. Before we let you go, share that funny note you dropped on the GQ yesterday about uh, Tennessee having lunch and snacks being out and just some some randos walking by. Uh, I, well, I mean, this thing is – it's on the floor where all the ballrooms are. There are multiple ballrooms, and there are multiple conventions and things going on. So, ironically, there is a excellence in coaching convention going on <laughs> next door to where Tennessee's – you is, can't is, make this stuff up. Right? Is Pruitt speaking, Hubbard? Is he killing two birds with one stone? <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he's the keynote. Um, so, they, so they played "Danger Zone" as their as their intro. You know, the old Kenny Loggins "Danger Zone" song uh, for for whatever gets him going. And it, it's it's one of those. There's a lot of there's a it's noisy. There's a lot of little you know celebration and chanting and cheering and different stuff. It, I don't know how you describe it, but it, but it feels like they're, it's an infomercial. Then they're trying to sell something. So anyway, there's a bunch of people are milling around here. They've obviously got it roped off where Tennessee is having the hearing. But then Jeremy Pruitt and his legal team have a separate room in this lobby area, and Tennessee has a separate room. And so Tennessee had a lunch set up with sandwiches and different things outside their room. It was not in their, their boardroom. It was outside their room. So they're all in there eating. And there's just some random people walk by and they go, hey, cookies. And, and they, just, <laughs> they just grab cookies. They just start eating off of Tennessee's, um, Tennessee's lunch table. So it's pretty funny that they were just, hey, we'll go back to the danger zone in a few minutes. But let's, let's get a couple of cookies before we go back to learn about the excellence in coaching seminar that's taking place here. So that's the uh, comedy highlight when you hang out too many hours in a lobby of a hotel, which uh, apparently I'm going to be doing here for the next uh, little bit for sure. Living their best life. Hopefully, Brent Hubs will live through this experience and be back with us at the end of this week. Brent, we appreciate it, and uh, follow all of his coverage all week long with NCAA Hearing over at VolQuest.com. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, guys. All right. Good stuff there. Rod, that was a good drop there about uh, Jeremy Pruitt, if he, if he was going to be killing two birds with one stone, because <laughs> it's just funny how things work out sometimes, isn't it? Can't make it up. Can't make it up. All right. Without further ado, let's get into the mailbag questions. A lot of recruiting questions. We'll start with Bassmaster Vol. Uh, Matt Ray, this is for you. Where do we stand with Mike Matthews and Williams? And Tell me how to say his last name, the defensive lineman. Waneri. Okay, that guy. That guy and Mike Matthews. Where's Tennessee with those two? Don't take that as the correct way to say it. That's how I say it. That's what we're going I'm, with right and now. I'm pretty sure it's the correct way to say it. He told me that's how you say it. So, um, yeah, anyway, we'll start with Mike Matthews. I think things have kind of been quiet on the Mike Matthews front since he took some visits earlier this month. Um, but, you know, as we've alluded to in the war room, Tennessee's been in a good position with Mike Matthews for a little while. Um, that doesn't mean that 
this thing's close to being over, that there's not work to do. He's going to see at least, you know, four or five programs on an official visit, and he doesn't have any of those set up except USC right now. He's keeping that pretty close to his vest, but he likes Tennessee, feels like a priority for the Vols, and, you know, he he sees the way they can use him in this offense. Now, you know, for Mike Matthews, he's a guy that right now today I feel like is probably going to leave the state of Georgia. What's that look like at the end of May? You know, we'll see. Um, Georgia's not going to quit because I think that, you know, he's leaving the state of Georgia. Um, so it's a big boy recruitment. There's going to be some twists and turns in it. But Tennessee's going to get him back for an official visit is my expectation there. And the Vols are a real long-term player for Mike Matthews. Um, with williams Wanary, um, it felt like Tennessee made a good initial impression with him when he made it across country in January, getting him back. Um, to end out last month was big because it feels like Tennessee's built some momentum on that recruitment and, and now have some staying power. He set an official visit date with the Vols, so he'll be back out here at some point, most likely June. Um, I'm not sure the actual date on that, but uh, Oklahoma has has paced the way there for a while, and Brent Venable's program's done a good job, but Tennessee has some momentum, and they're a real threat to be one of those schools that can pull them out of the Midwest. Again, you know, I know you guys probably you know, on general's quarters getting tired of hearing us say it, but a big boy battle. Uh, so there's twists and turns, and these kids are, you know, getting the the best pitches and, you know, all the opportunities thrown at them. But uh, Williams, whenever he likes what he's heard from Tennessee, he likes the opportunity at Tennessee, and the Vols are a player in that one long term, in my opinion. Let's go to Nashville 615. There will be odd men out at running back. Good problem to have, but realistically, only two of the five running backs are going to get 80% of the carries. Who are your favorites, Rob? I would say the, the favorites are the two veterans, and, and Jalen Wright probably leading that group, in my opinion, and Jabari Small, but some others will see some action, but I would I would stick with those two, wouldn't you? I w- man, I would too, but golly, I mean, you have to love what you saw from Dylan Sampson you know, last year. I mean, he's a, a home run hitter in the way that the other two guys are not, in my opinion, and I didn't, you know, because of basketball wrapping up, I didn't see as much spring practice as you did, Eric, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm buying Cam Seldon stock. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to get 10 carries a game next year, but I'll be really surprised if he doesn't have some kind of a little, you know, role or, you know, I guess a package in, in this offense. I mean, he's just – his skill set is just too multifaceted, I, I think. It, and physically, he, he looks like he's ready. He's different than the other guys in that room right now. And when Khalifa Keith gets here, he's even – different from the other guys in that room too you can say the same thing about both those guys but i'm with you rob i think cam selden as long as he stays healthy continues to gain the information and learn this offense and feels more comfortable playing running back which is what he said after the orange and white game that uh, i think there'll be you know maybe a small role or he'll see the field at some point in time for sure um buzz on mccallan castles the the tight end um Will he be able to significantly make an impact? He was, uh, and also is he an NFL prospect? Rob, correct me if I'm wrong here, but hey, if he's healthy, he's playing because Tennessee's got to have (laughs) at least two tight ends. Ethan Davis had a really good spring, but of course has a little bit of a setback with that collarbone right now. Uh, McAllen Castles came to Tennessee because he wants to go to the NFL. He wants to play with the best of the best. He's got the size and the frame. Uh, we'll see what he does this year, but Rob, if he's healthy, he's playing. Well, there's no question. I mean, you know, the NFL stuff, I – I think everybody would like to see him play, you know, on, on Saturdays in the SEC yeah. first. But yeah, physically, yeah, I mean, he looks the part, and absolutely. I mean, if, if he goes down, Matt could probably play, get snapped at, at tight end. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. it, it, they're incredibly thin, and and it's as we've seen, it's an incredibly important position 
in this offense. I mean, it's it's a very big deal, and and the, and they just don't have numbers. A couple more here from Nashville, 615. Matt, Camarion Franklin is rated lower at on three, but is a five-star or close everywhere else. Describe his game and his ranking. Yeah, so, I mean, as far as getting into the ranking, um, you know, I I like what Charles does in terms of his evaluation. I think he's out ahead of the curve on a lot of guys. Camarion um, Franklin is, is a guy that I see, you know, more potential for than what his ranking suggests right now. He had a massive junior season there at Lake Cormorant. Uh, just a guy that can beat you with with power and finesse at the prep level. Um, he'll he'll he's continued to add some good weight this uh, spring. He, he was you know had added a lot of definition um, from the time we saw him in January till now. So he he's got plenty of room to add to his frame, and that's something he'll have to continue to do as he gets into college. But a guy that can do a lot of things. He's Super athletic, um, has a basketball background. Now he's not going to play, you know, he's not a Division One basketball player or anything. But he's athletic. You know, he plays valuable minutes there. Um, so I, I think that's the first thing when you turn on the tape for him is just the size, the frame, and just how athletic he is. Um, uh, overall, he's a guy that Tennessee's done a really good job with here of late. ATL VFL wants to know odds that uh, Tennessee loses either Warren Burrell or Kamal Haddon to the portal. Uh, right now, I would say those odds are slim. Uh, Kamal Haddon had a good spring. He was repping with the ones, and so it would appear that he's in good standing right now. Uh, Warren Burrell, of course, wasn't full go completely this spring, had that red jersey on, didn't take part in the orange-white game, but he got a lot of work in. Uh, but as of right now, there's no chatter about him as well. Talking about a multi-year starter, uh, but of course, things are different now. You, you got to get better play in the secondary, but things can change. Uh, this portal window is open until April the 30th, so we'll see. But as of right now, I would say that those two are slim to none in terms of leaving. Uh, let's go to Gator Dog. What position could be a strength for this team? Rob, is it offensive line, the Leo position, no. or the secondary? Oh, so which I guess I guess he's asking which of the three question marks could, could turn out to be a strength. Yeah. I mean, I think if any of those three turn out to be a strength for Tennessee, it's that would be a fantastic development. I mean, I don't know that right now I would – I mean, would you – I don't think any of those are going to be a strength. I think I think you kind of hope that, that they're okay. Yeah. And, I, I, and, I don't, and I'm not pushing the – I mean, I think they can be good on the offensive line. There's just a couple of positions that are unsettled. You know, mm-hmm. and, and you've got guys that have played some football for the most part. And Edge got asked me in a year because, man, you talk about the Leo. I mean, a year from now that – and maybe, you know, maybe Pierce, maybe J- Joseph, maybe those guys – make big big strides and big time as sophomores but i would i would like i want to see what that position looks like in 2024 with caleb herring with pierce with joseph you know i, I think that i mean I, I think there's a ton of talent right there young talent but i don't know that you can just uh, assume they're going to make that jump in the secondary i i don't i mean i'll, I'll believe it when i see it I, I mean they have a lot of bodies back there i mean and i do think they're better and you've got to lo- love some of the young talent you know like like slaughter um, you know, like Jordan Matthews. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to think they could be better, but, but you've got to see it. I mean, they were the worst pass defense in the SEC last year. I'm with you. Uh, I got to see the secondary before I'm going to pick the secondary. I think there's potential there, but I got to see it. Um, offensive line, I think at the end of the day, I think it's going to be fine, but there are questions that you got to find answers to, and nobody thought that there were going to be answers to those questions at the end of spring, so no, t- no reason to panic. I will pick the Leo position. I, like you, Rob, think it'll be better in 24 than 23. 
but I'm going to pick it simply because the sky's the limit. James Pierce, Josephs, Caleb Herring. I mean, those guys are, are just athletic freaks. And so if they can continue to develop, put on some weights, learn that scheme, get after it with Rodney Garner, I think that that could absolutely turn into a strength. And Tennessee needs it to be a strength because obviously if that's a strength, that helps your secondary as well. Uh, let's go to Sam Smith, 22-33. Does Tennessee have any answer for Vanderbilt's elite left-handed pitching this weekend or Enrique Bradley Bradfield Jr. on the base pass? Um, Enrique Bradfield Jr., no. I mean, Tennessee's throwing out one base runner in SEC play. Uh, the pitchers don't do any favors with the slow delivery to the plate. You want to keep him off the base pass for sure because if he's on the base pass, he's going to run just like Arkansas ran on Tennessee last weekend as well. Um Tony loves balance in the order, so I, I would assume that he's going to try to get some of those right-handed bats in the order as well. Stark, I think, will hit some this weekend. Merritt will get an opportunity to hit some this weekend, obviously. Um, but like I kind of said in the 3-2-1 this week, I, I just think sooner or later, you got to get your best bats in the order. It doesn't matter if it's lefty, righty, lefty, just who cares, right? Um, less on matchup and just more on production. I think tears and drawling should be hitting every single game. That's just my opinion. Uh, so we'll see. What's your rotation plans for this weekend or your prediction for the uh, for the rotation this weekend? Um, right now, and guys, it's, we're recording this on Wednesday, FYI. Right now, we'll say to stick with the same. I, I don't see Lindsey or Dolander moving from Friday and Saturday. Right now, and from the comments from Tony Vitello Tuesday night, I would say Beam is going to start on Sunday. Uh, but if there is a move, I would say it's probably in that number three starter. Um Chase Burns look good in relief. Five in the third innings of one-run ball. So uh, we will see on that. Let's go down to... Let's see here. All right, this is from Galee. How was Coach Mack perceived as a recruiter? I know he has ties to Memphis. Is he an ace recruiter, Matt Ray? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think on the recruiting trail, when you when you look at Jerry over time, he's a relatable guy who relates to these kids in a lot of ways. He's... He's been a head coach at a smaller level. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's got ties to Memphis. I mean, he he recruits well. Um, he, he's had Tennessee involved in some battles um, for the past couple of years, and he's won some. I mean, you know, if you look back at Justin Thomas, that was a that was a battle with Auburn, and that that was an area of Georgia that Auburn's been highly successful going into and and landing guys, and you know. Cadillac Williams wanted Justin Thomas and Jerry Mack in year one was able to to beat him out. Now, obviously that didn't work out, you know, long term, but in terms of recruiting, you know, found Dylan Sampson early and got him locked down in that summer. And you could already see the potential that Rob mentioned earlier there. Um, so, you know, I think the biggest thing, you know, as far as Jerry Mack as a recruiter is that one thing that I've heard for the past three years that Tennessee's had to continue to overcome is that this is a pass first air raid type of offense. Even last week, you know, the the modern-day running back, Nathaniel Frazier, told me that one of the biggest points of his visit was finding out that Tennessee's threw the ball 52% to running at 48. Like, he was blown away by that because he's hearing on the recruiting front that it's an air raid. So I think that's one thing that Tennessee's had to overcome. And here with two years of production, they're doing that. And Jerry Mack has Tennessee sitting in a good spot with a couple of their top targets right now. And – Peyton Lewis and Braylon Russell with, you know, Nathaniel Frazier planning an official visit for June, Jarrett Gibson planning to officially visit in June. So the Vols are involved with some guys at the running back position. I think it's just been an uphill battle, and I think he's done a nice job to this point given 
what Tennessee was working with in all facets on the recruiting trail that first time around and then trying to overcome some of those negative recruiting narratives. We got plenty more mailbag questions to get into here on this edition of the podcast. But first, a listen from our proud sponsors, Exterior Home Solutions. Your roof, it's the most important protection against nature for your home or your business. That's why I trust the experts at Exterior Home Solutions. Let's look over at Athrun right now, back to the recruiting trail. Matt, how many DBs will be in this class? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think that's something that, that AP and I have talked about a pretty good bit. And I, I think the number is probably five, if you look at it and you try to see where Tennessee's going right now. It could be more. It could be one less. I, I think it's probably five, though, is, is where I'm at today. Um, you look, they've already got Marcus Gorey committed, they've got Caleb Beasley committed, and they've added Idris Farouk. Um, they're continuing to recruit, if they're continuing to recruit Boo Carter as a defensive back and a handful of other guys. So I, I think, you know, there's probably room for five, but if, if you got the right combination, maybe even more. Uh, we'll see, but that's a good question. I think that's a position that's kind of in flux right now in terms of where that number goes. Two more questions. When do summer enrollees get to campus? That is June. Um, also, have you heard anything about Nathan Robinson? How has he looked this spring? Matt, he's a, he's a guy that was just held out of spring, a, a bit banged up, like his potential, but he didn't do an awful lot this spring. Yeah, no, he didn't do an awful lot this spring. Just held out, you know, just to be extra cautious. But no, Nathan Robinson, since going all the way back to last summer, is just what he's done to his frame is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, just an absolute – thousand percent commitment to to that body transformation i mean he's a guy i mean you can see it sometimes matt i know you see it, i mean you can see it sometimes with kids like you'll you know caleb harry is a good example you'll see some six four you know six five kid that is you know looks like he should be running track but if you've been been around long enough you're like man that's that kid can carry 40 or 50 60 more pounds and that was nathan robinson i remember i guess was it the memorial day event last year where they had a ton of guys i remember, I remember yeah. seeing him and going, man, that guy is going to be a monster in two years. Yep. <laughs> Canada Vol says, in my view, the commitment of Jake Merklinger is one of the most significant recruiting wins ever by Hypel. Only a few programs like Bama, Georgia, Ohio State stack up a blue chipper quarterbacks every year. Um, you all didn't think the Vols could sign a top quarterback in 2024, and neither did I. Do you agree that this is an important step in the elevation of the program, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I don't think there was ever a question that Tennessee wouldn't sign a good quarterback in, in 2024. It's just that it's going to be harder. But coming, coming hard. off Nico, yeah. Yeah, you know, coming off Nico, it's, you know, you just signed the number one overall prospect in the class, not just the number one quarterback. So, I mean, that makes it harder, in my opinion, and it's going to be harder to carry three scholarship quarterbacks on a roster moving forward. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I think it's a big win that, that Tennessee was able to get Jake Merklinger. It speaks to the belief that kids have and what, you know, Joey Halsley and Josh Hopple are doing at the quarterback position. And I think it, you know, I, I touched on this maybe on a Rocky Top Rewind or one of the podcasts a, a few weeks back. Um, as important as Hendon Hooker was to Tennessee's program, and, and I don't think you can ever, I don't think we can understand fully the importance of that. If Joe Milton comes out, and, you know, does what he could potentially do and starts garnering draft stock, then that continues to become easier for Tennessee. But you, you land a guy like Jake Merklinger, it's big for your recruiting class and an important recruiting class. So, yes, it's definitely an elevation, in my opinion. It definitely shows the direction that Tennessee's trending. 
Sparta Vault wants to know, and you're going to have to help me out with this recruit's last name because I've, I've been in baseball mode, but is Okia, what's his name? Um, I say Okoye. That sounds better to me. Uh, is he being recruited for offense or defense? And is the uh, is he definitely a candidate to reclassify into 2023? Yeah, so he, he's been recruited as a two-way athlete. That's something that Tennessee will – you know, figure out over time that other schools will figure out over time if he comes to campus. Um, he He's very dynamic. He's extremely long, um, just naturally explosive athlete. So he can do a lot of different things for you. So it's a guy that I, being overseas in London, you're, you're not going to have a chance to really see a lot of things from him. How can he bend? How can he do certain different things? Um, so, uh, I think that's something that'll be figured out over time. He is he is a candidate. He has the credits in place to to be a twenty three. Um, so we'll see what happens there as he continues his official visit slate this month with several schools, you know, out west still on on deck. I think we have one more strictly recruiting question. Then we got some more football questions. We'll get into uh, Garantano Survivor. Gosh, MVP of names <laughs> right there. <laughs> wish AP was, st- I, was, I wish AP was here to, so I could hear that old, that old chuckle. That old chuckle. Is there still a chance Ron Wingo ends up in this class, or does the focus now shift solely to Mike Matthews? Yeah, no, I would, I would not hit the panic button on Ron Wingo right now. Um, it's still, as I alluded to, probably in the first week that I came on at VolQuest, I, mean, I had a little note that Ron Wingo was planning to come back out for an unofficial visit there in January that Tennessee, you know, from what I'd gathered and covered him leading in uh, was in a good spot, but there were going to be twists and turns. And that's the case. He's one of the top receivers in the country and there's going to be twists and turns, but Tennessee is still deep in this and, and still, in, in my opinion, the team to beat today, um, you know, Georgia and others are swinging hard and that was always going to be the case. Um, as far as Mike Matthews, uh, the attention that both of those guys are getting, it's not one or the other. It's Tennessee wants both of those guys. No. So they're, they're both getting a lot of attention. Um, two guys that have a case to be the number one receiver in, in the class and, and two guys that, you know, see their you know potential fit in this offense and both that are high on Tennessee. Um, I think Mike Matthews could be, and I've said this, this probably the separate right time now that I've said this, I think Mike Matthews could be the number one player in the class. Um, I understand how those projections are done based on NFL draft projections. And if you're smart and you're doing those the correct way, you're putting a quarter, quarterback up there. And Dylan Raul is a really, really good quarterback. So it's, it's easy to see why that is what it is. But as far as a two-way player, Mike Matthews is special. Uh, but Tennessee's in a good spot with both of those guys. Um, and they're very much in it for Ron Wingo. I talked to him earlier in the week. And he will be here. He plans to be back out here at some point for an official visit before making a decision. I just don't think that one's anywhere close to being over right now, based on what I've gathered. One of my buddies was texting me the other day and he was just, he was asking about Ron Wingo and was like, I mean, Tennessee was leading for him in the fall. Did they drop the ball there? And, my, and kind of my response was, well, I mean, back in the fall, there's a long way to go in recruiting. And also, I mean, it, it's, you know, you're battling the back-to-back national champion right now. I don't care how blah their offense looks, right? I mean, it's, it's still going to be a challenge, and you're going to lose guys to Georgia, Alabama, LSU, some of the Ohio State, because you know Tennessee's trying to get in that area code right now and and be, you know, every prospect type contenders of those guys. But I mean, a, a prospect that's wanting to look at Georgia right now, I mean, that's still no surprise. And yeah. never ever forget, we're, you're talking about 16 and 17 year old kids. Yeah. Yep. Never forget. Yeah. 
and, and going back, I mean, even to last cycle, when you, you talk about those kids, David Hobbs and Arion Carter, you know, Tennessee went and, and beat out Georgia and others for David Hobbs and beat out Alabama for Arion Carter. You know, when you're talking about the defensive side of the football. So it's like I, I've seen kind of the chatter on the general's quarter of, hey, you know, why is a receiver looking at Georgia? Well, if you're a Georgia fan looking at the opposite side, why is David Hobbs looking at Tennessee, given, you know, what their defense has been and where the balls have been? So, um, you know, it's half a dozen one way and half a dozen the other way. But uh, these kids are being sold on, you know, this is the direction we want to go, and you're the guy that can get us there. And it's 16 to 17-year-old kids, and they've got to try, like Rob said, you know, you, you got to factor in so many different things with, with what these kids are looking at. And, and they have – Guys like that have all the opportunity in the world ahead of them. Matt, you'll be happy to know that my mother uses that same phrase in order to say it's all the same. Oh, well, yeah. It's, it, Six it of is. one and half a dozen of the other. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Joe Thunder, uh, Rob, I, it's a, he says, I know it's early, but who do you think represents Tennessee at Media Days this year? Oh, let's see. Joe Milton, for sure. That's a given. Um, Cooper Mays. Yeah. Also, pencil him in. So then we need a defensive guy. Mm. Aaron Beasley? Aaron Beasley, strong possibility. I don't think you would take Peely, do you? I mean, just I don't think you would take a transfer. No. Even Maybe Caleb McCullough. You're not taking McCullough. I don't know, man. I, with, with, his, with the off the field incident last year, you're not taking him. Yeah, that's true. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. And probably. Maybe Amari Thomas? Yeah, that's a good. I bet Big O. I I would go with Big O because he's really good with the media. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's gregarious. Could you know, he he can be he can be funny. He can be interesting. I could definitely. I I would go with Omari for the defensive guy. Yeah, I think. I think Milton Milton and Cooper are slam dunks. Yeah. The only thing with Milton is, and I mean, he's going to be Tennessee's starting quarterback. But I I do remember before there was an official announcement made, you know, year one. He didn't take Milton or Hooker or, or any quarterback to SEC media days, but I, I would agree. I mean, Milton, Milton's a leader of this team for sure, so um, he will be there. Let's see here. Rob Lewis, uh, Roba22 says, and I know we didn't get this. You didn't get to see a whole lot of practice, and, and all of us that went to every practice that was open, I mean, we didn't get to see a lot, right? It's routes on air, but he said, in the short little time you got to see practice this spring, has Joe Milton's touch on the ball looked any different? Any noticeable improvements in the past? Showing any overall accuracy improvements and drills, I, I thought he looked fine in the orange and white game. There was a throw or two he'd like to have back, but uh, I mean, in practice, there was not a lot of balls hitting the ground except for maybe, you know, day three, and they were doing red zone passing. He looked great throwing it down the field in routes on air with no defense. It's just hard to pick up on anything like that. Yeah, I agree. The routes on air. I mean, I I didn't notice a lot of, you know, just off-target throws, I mean, like ones where, you know, he's in the past and he's had something just for, like, you know, high outside fastballs, you know, that, that got away and hit, you know, went, went to the backstop. And I, I don't – I didn't notice probably any of those from him this spring. But, I mean, I I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where people are raving about the touch Joe Milton has on the football. I mean, let's yeah. just let's be honest. <laughs> Heavy Metal Vol says, outside of recruiting, what areas of the football team are still the biggest areas of concern? Uh, maybe outside observers see as things that need to be improved on or justify. It can be anything. It can be not just the players or position groups, but it can be coaching philosophy. It can be handling the media. Um, anything maybe jump out that from a national perspective, Tennessee still has 
you know, what I, to do in this area? I would say not at all. I mean, wouldn't you see, I would say from the infrastructure standpoint, Tennessee's been at the mountaintop for years. It's been the on the field product has, yeah. has lagged behind. I mean, if you're over there in that, in that building and you know, see what the you know the support and the, and the resources that that program it doesn't they don't lack for anything. I mean, zip nada. I mean, you're, you're talking about facilities or you know academic support or you know nutrition. You know the the media setup. I mean, they, you know they have a. The SEC network could broadcast a studio show from, from Tennessee's, you know, own studio. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there, there is nothing that from the behind the scenes stuff that is at all lacking in my opinion. And then from the football stuff, I mean, sure. You say, well, the defense needs to continue to take a step. It took a step last year and needs to get better. But, um, you know, from the availability standpoint, Pruitt let us see, two practices a week, you know, just the 20 minutes and everything, but we got to go on like Tuesdays or Wednesdays or whatever. Heifel doesn't allow that, but we get to see all of spring. We get to see all of fall camp. We get players and tons of assistance throughout the season. So that's different from the Jeremy Pruitt and I, regime. And, and I think that's good. I, well, I, and I think that's also a reflection of just how comfortable the head coach is in his yeah. own skin. I mean, a lot of coaches, you know, don't want their assistants talking because they don't want, you know, they don't want anything out there that's off message. You know, that like if, if Mike Eckler coached for Nick Saban, he would, he would never be in front of a microphone again. Nope. You know, and even though, I mean, and, I, and, I, and that's, I think the fart, the skillet comment could not be more harmless or innocent, but you know, no. a guy like Saban just wouldn't want that, wouldn't want that out there. So I, I think that, you know, the fact that coach Heupel has no hangups about freshman talking, I mean, we're not just talking about. I mean, we're talking about early enrollees. I mean, guys that have been here for you know six, eight weeks. Heupel doesn't care to roll those kids out and, and you know put them in front of a podium. And I think that stuff is, is great. And I, I think that is a like I said, just a real reflection of how comfortable in his own skin and you know just. I mean, golly, can you? Josh could not be more different than than, than Butch Jones in, in that regard. You know, just yeah. I mean, he's not he's not worried about perception. He's he's very genuine, and that, and I think that comes across in the things you're talking about, Eric. How you know he's fine with his assistants talking, run a freshman out there, you know, let a quarterback talk, even if we have you know, even if there's a position battle going on. This uh, that stuff I think is a breath of fresh air. And again, like uh, credit to to Bill Barton, you know, Tennessee and and the coaching staff and Josh Heibel for allowing that. They do a great job of putting the freshman in front of us in spring and in fall camp, because for the most part, we're not going to talk to freshmen during their freshman year because a lot of those guys won't play, but you know, they, they get us in there so we can write stories and everything. And at the end of the day, we, the beat reporters are the gateway between you, the fans and the program, the more access we get, the more stories and information we can, you know, put out there and more content to consume. And so it's just, it's, it's really, really good. And let's be, let's be real, Eric. I mean, you know, there's, you know, 85, 85 scholarship kids. I mean, there's a, a lot of times where there are going to be some guys that coaches don't want to put in front of the media. Yeah. You know, I mean, when's the last, how, how, how many years that, did Jerry Banks go without doing an, doing an interview? I mean, I, <laughs> a, a, I maybe his freshman or sophomore year he did, I, but I mean, and, not the last two years. <laughs> and, and I think that, you know, I, I, I don't know what, really what my point is. I don't think that Heifel is bringing anybody in that they're afraid to run out and, you know, put in front of a, a microphone and a bunch of cameras. Yeah. It's a really, really good point. Uh, kind of on that note, though, Mohawk Vol Nine says, "Have teams with strict player media availabilities like the Pruitt era with here at Tennessee 
change due to NIL? I don't think I have a uh, an answer to that, but he goes on. Do you think players would be available for Vol Club Confidential if he were still coaching? The answer to that is absolutely yes. They would have because, to be. I mean, at the end of the day, coaching staff has no say on that, right? I mean, that that is a an NIL opportunity to go on the Vol Club Confidential or another program like that. Maybe uh, the the Tuesday night show the, the, or the that lo- we do. Or the locker room with, with Packer and AP. So, locker I mean, room is a good one. Tennessee I mean, Prime the, is, yeah. A coach could say no. You can't go, but what's that going to do to you in recruiting when, mm-hmm. when they can do it, when they can, when the Georgia kids can go and the Alabama kids can go, but Tennessee kids can't. So yeah, that's a no brainer. I mean, a coach could say no, but they'd be cutting off their nose to spite their face. Does your mom exactly. say that? Does your mom say that EC? <laughs> she did. She did indeed. We got, we got two, uh, t- two mama sayings here on the, on the podcast today. All right, let's get to two more. Um, we'll do, um, we'll do baseball here first. This is from Hoover Vol. Do you think Dolander and this upcoming draft and Burns in next year's draft are still first-round picks? Really have been surprised with the regression from both this year um, with the tools that they have. Yeah, Dolander's throwing well right now, but again, he's not over that hump. He's not, again, I say this every single week, he, he's he's not getting far enough in games, and a lot of that has to do with defense and high pitch count and all that. Uh, but Dolander absolutely will be a first-round pick this summer. Absolutely. He, I mean... Arguably, if not for Paul Skeens, he's one of the most impressive pitching prospects like in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, he, he, he's that good. So he'll be a first-rounder. And with, Chase, with what Chase Burns possesses, I understand he doesn't have a good third pitch. But, you know, as time goes on, he'll pick one up, hopefully. He doesn't have a lot of confidence in this changeup. He's got a good slider when it doesn't hang. He's got a fastball that can touch triple digits. Um, I, I still think Chase Burns right now will be a first-round pick. I know it's been tough sledding for him this season so far, uh, but if he rebounds, just going off potential, right? And and I would say that those two guys are for sure going to be first pick, first-round pick, first picks. Let's go to Vols. Uh, Rob, would you agree with that, by the way? <laughs> I'm going to leave that all to you, EC. <laughs> they, right. Number one and number two overall. There you go. There you go. All right, last one here. Let's go to Vols 95 what does the depth chart look like at Nickelback? Curious if any younger guys are going to get reps there since our main two guys of McDonald and Walker are seniors. How would an injury to McDonald affects the secondary? If it's Walker shifting down from safety, who goes off the bench to play safety, all that type of stuff. It's a good question, and I think we'll learn more about this over fall camp and all that, Rob. But for right now, you know, I would have Wesley Walker as being a starting safety. If something happened to Tamari McDonald, I think Walker would go down and play star. And then I would think either Jordan Thomas or Andre Turrentine would go in and play safety. My bet right now would be Jordan Thomas. We'll see. Um, Another guy outside of McDonald and Walker who can play star would be Jordan Thomas. Um, Those guys cross-train all the time. Danico Slaughter's a guy that can play all three positions in the secondary. So if push came to shove and you absolutely needed something there, Slaughter could slide over. Danico started the first game of his college career at nickel. Isn't that crazy to think about? It's I mean, it's wild. And then didn't see the field for two years. <laughs> and then and, and then made made like a two-play appearance at LSU this year. And then starts games at safety and then moves to cornerback. It's like, who is this guy? Um, so that that's kind of how I would answer that right now. But again, Rob, they cross train so much; uh, they have options. But I would say at star, the three guys would be McDonald, Wesley Walker, Jordan Thomas. See, even those freshman DBs down the road played nickel. I mean, I know Matthews is probably a quarter all the way, but you know, Conyer, 
Um, I think maybe a, maybe a John Slaughter potentially could be. I think Matthews is a corner. I think Ricky Gibson's a corner. Um, maybe Conyer. I think John Slaughter could potentially be a guy. He's um, he's not afraid to hit anybody, and he can play in the box. He can play out of the box. So, um, you know, maybe Matt and Austin would have more on that. But I would say John Slaughter more than anybody else in that freshman class could maybe turn into a star. I, so. I do like the, I like those freshman DBs. I yeah. do too. Uh, you know, Ricky Gibson was the guy nobody was talking about. He had a really good spring. Jordan Matthews has the highest ceiling. Christian Conyer made the made the tip pass, you know, interception from Cam Miller, and he's a guy that's underrated. So, for sure, I would agree with that. All right. Hey, this has been a fun edition of the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. We uh, heard from, you know, Matt Ray, tons of recruiting. Rob Lewis here helping me with football and basketball, everything else. We heard from Brent Hubbs uh, from Cincinnati as the NCAA hearing continues with Tennessee and its former head coach. And um, always thank you for sending in those questions. Big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage possible. Give them day for a free estimate that is at 865-524-5888 stay tuned to volquest.com for the rest of the week for coverage on everything tennessee for rob lewis Brent hubs matt ray i am eric kane a big thank you guys for listening to the volquest mailbag podcast you've been listening to the volquest mailbag podcast every week right here on volquest